What's up, YouTubers? Fred and Scott here with our second run at episode 56. We're going to talk a little bit about the Orioles flying the coop, the Ravens Hall of Fame game and induction, and a summed up version of episode 56. Stay tuned. thought we'd start the show off like that birdland bs check it out what's going on birdland bsers fred and scott here what's up we're going round two on episode 56 gonna try to give you the cliff notes version <laughs> of what we went through a little while ago so we apologize we had some technical difficulties with the live stream earlier tonight and we had a bunch of issues with the live stream on facebook as well uh but we we oh we hit 100 subscribers today on youtube uh so we appreciate each and every one of you uh, especially all the new followers coming over from engraven uh other and sources other too. sources wherever you guys are coming from we we appreciate each and every one of you uh we just figured we'd hop on here go live with you guys and kind of give you a little bit of uh some insight on some of the topics that we, we talked about earlier today on, on Facebook. Yeah. If you want to check it out too, just, you know, unfortunately it, the bigger problem was on YouTube, unfortunately. Uh, but we've actually worked out the kink. That's what's, that's why we're getting on here so late. Uh, as we worked out the, the kinks that we were having, the issues that we were having. Uh, but go check out the full podcast that we, that we did on, uh, on Facebook live. We go a lot more in depth than we're going to be able to go, uh, here on YouTube. Uh, but we do promise we will be live next week. No problems. We've got it all 100% worked out. Uh, knock on wood. Everybody pray for us. It, nothing breaks. All right, let's hop right into this thing. So we're I know, generally speaking, YouTubers out there, you guys have been a pretty big Ravens audience, but uh, we are a coverall Baltimore show. So we're going to hop into some of the, the biggest news kind of in Baltimore right now, and that surrounds the Orioles team as bad as they are. Uh, they've been playing better baseball since the All-Star game, have won four of their last five. Uh, Jonathan Scope had been tearing the cover off the ball yeah. lately. They've scored uh, 62 runs in the last nine games, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Scope, just talking about him, he had been named uh, AL Player of the Week recently. He's batting three sixty-eight with nine home runs, six in a seven-game stretch. Would have had seven and seven if he wasn't robbed of that home run. Yeah, but, it was uh, a close one, that's for sure. But speaking of Jonathan Scope, so the big news surrounding the Orioles, there have been a multitude of trades, uh, obviously starting uh, last week with the Manny Machado deal, then going to L.A., then we had the Britain deal going to New York. We also had earlier this week, which we have not talked about, Brad Brock going to Atlanta for some compensation for international money. Yep. Um, and then recently today, we lost a couple other members. So we had, in a deal with Atlanta, Kevin Gosman and Darren O'Day going over to Atlanta for a bundle of prospects and some more international money. A and we lot also, more international money. Right. Then we uh, rounded out the trade deadline at 4 p.m. today with a deal with the 
with the Brewers sending Jonathan Scope in, which is kind of a, a head scratcher for me. Uh, wasn't a real big haul. I would have expected to get more back from Jonathan Scope. But, uh, Scott, take us down a rundown of, of your early impressions of these two big trades. The Scope, you, you hit the nail on the head. The Scope trade is a, is a head scratcher. You pull, you get rid of a guy who's, who's a pretty daggone good second baseman. Right. Uh, you know, for, for lack of, of better wordage. Uh, but you get back a guy that's okay in the infield and Jonathan Lahr. He is a, he's a major leaguer. But then you also pull back minor – you also get back minor leaguer right-handed pitcher Luis Ortiz and minor league shortstop Jean Carmona. Ortiz is 3-for-4 through 16 games so far this year. He started 11. He's got two sta- two saves so far this year. He's only pitched 16 innings with a 3-7-1 ERA and a one one nine whip. Not great, not horrible. We've Still seen a small, small sample size, but uh, you know, yeah, all, take it for what it's worth. I think all that was in Double A as well, right? Um, and then Carmona has a two thirty nine average in thirty nine games, with one hundred fifty five at bats, a two ninety eight OBP, and a seven hundred five OPS. Oh, and I forgot the stat that I hate the most: forty five strikeouts in those four in those one hundred fifty five at bats. Yeah, that's that's a little alarming, especially with a team that already has enough problems with that as it is. That's almost one out of every three at bats a guy's striking out. Yeah, that's an issue. It's a huge issue. Um, the other big trade, obviously, being the Gosman. Guess who Gosman went with? Darren O'Day. And, yes, that was last second with Darren, Darren O'Day. O'Day. Just to kind of sum it up for you guys, he was thrown in there basically as a salary dump. Uh, saves the Orioles a little over $4 million for the remaining of this season and then $9 million in guaranteed money for next year. So Darren O'Day wasn't in there to entice them to throw any more prospects our way. That was more of just a salary dump. Yeah. Yeah. DB misses our uh, our other camera angle, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, we're just going this route because of the uh, technical difficulties. That camera angle will be back next week. We promise yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, but the other the other pieces to this are picking up uh, Evan Phillips, right handed pitcher, Jean uh, Carlos Encarnacion, who's an infielder, catcher Brett Cumberland, and left handed pitcher Bruce Zimmerman, plus the two and a half million. In international slot money, a great deal of international slot money, considering what was what we got out of it. But I think a good portion of that is because Gosman is controllable for the next, I believe, two years. Yeah. Now this deal, I'm not as upset with. I think this deal actually returned a good amount of prospects and some decent prospects. You got to look. Atlanta Braves are stocked. I mean, they are loaded at the minor league level. So we ended up walking away with a couple of good prospects. Again, like we talked about earlier, they're still early in their development. These are some high A and some double A guys that are still a few years away. Uh, But we did get some potential major league talent from there. But the bigger thing, like you said, the bonus money that we get, uh, that's going to go a long way in – enticing some international players to come here to Baltimore, which is a market that we haven't been in in a very long time. Uh, international and, players don't like coming here. Well, not only that, but I mean, the Angelos family uh, or Peter to, to, to really be blunt with it has, <laughs> has kind of been adamant about it in the past that international players and the international market was something that they didn't want to tap into now that tide seems to be changing. At least that's the word we're hearing from Dan Duquette. So we'll see. Uh, Orioles are in a good spot right now with their international money. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing I have to say about about this this trade is I like the international money. That's great. But I feel like you could have – I would have rather actually have gotten two less of these prospects and pulled in a, a top 100 prospect. We got in, in all these deals, we had – 
Diaz as the only prospect that we got that was a top hundred guy. You know, and I I get that. I I feel like you could have gotten a better haul, and maybe they weren't willing to part. But at the same time, look at all the pieces that the Braves had. You could have pushed and said, "Look, give me at least one top. Give me you know two other guys in the single A in the single A or you know low A double A ball. Give me two of those and a top one top hundred prospect with a mill and a half in signing money." And I'd have been happy. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, but the thing is, if you look at the the larger picture of what these deals meant for the team, right? So with all these deals in place, it really ultimately is saving the Orioles about thirty to thirty five million in guaranteed money. We talked about the O'Day savings in itself. Uh, we got fifteen prospects in exchange for six players, and not to mention that $2.75 million in international bonus money on top of that, which is in turn going to end up getting us more prospects. So you may see that 15 creep into the 17 or 18 numbers for six prospects. Now, granted, all those players aren't going to work out and they're not all going to make it to the major league level. I get that. There's no guarantees with these guys. But all these talks and the word rebuild has been thrown around, right? And we talked about this on the Facebook Live uh, post, but with a rebuild, you can go one of two ways. You can either go at it by throwing some paint on the walls, putting in new flooring in the house, maybe upgrading your fixtures and all that stuff, put a Band-Aid over it, make it look pretty. See, I think a lot of people, we didn't talk about this on the Facebook Live, but I think a lot of people do look at that scenario, and that's where the argument comes in about you know what is a rebuild, because I think a lot of people look at that as a retool. Right, and that's resurface. what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. There's a difference, in, and retool isn't used enough because retool is exactly that. It's basically throwing paint on the walls, upgrading the flooring, upgrading the fixtures. If you want to rebuild an organization, we're not talking about just rebuilding the major league system here. We're talking about rebuilding from the ground roots up. You got to strip this thing down to the studs. Oh, yeah. Yo, but you got you to gotta pull some nails out, too. <laughs> right. I mean, you do. You got to strip this thing down to the studs. And, yeah, for me, being a Jonathan Scope fan, being a Kevin Gosman fan, being a Manny Machado fan, it hurt. It hurt to see some of these guys go. But if you're a realist, if you're an Orioles fan, and you don't want to go through another 10 to 15 years of misery, if you want to be competitive again in the next three to four years, this is what had to happen. Yeah. I mean, Gosman was in. In holding back tears during his interview today, yeah. you know when when he was asked, you know, uh, scope, you know, scope in his interview was was kind of blunt. You know, you brought it up on on, on the live. Is he said they didn't offer me anything? Yeah, and I think that was to me the biggest smack in the face of it all. You know, you got Jonathan Scope, Manny Machado, both young players. Manny Machado being a once in a generation type player, but Jonathan Scope, twenty six years old, right? Even if, even if you are going into that full rebuild mode, if a team is going to take three to four years to recoup, rebuild, and be competitive again, three to four years down the road, Jonathan Scope's still only 30 years old at that point. Now you have a legitimate all-star, second baseman, veteran leader in your locker room to bring these young guys along and kind of be that, you know, that that veteran presence. 
We don't have that. We're not going to have that. With the way that, you know, if the Orioles didn't talk to Scope and didn't talk to Machado about the rebuild process and about extensions, that's going to leave this team high and dry of any kind of veteran presence uh, moving forward. And the one guy that people are all clamoring for that, you know, you and I were scratching our heads a little bit, Adam Jones. Yeah. Duquette came out and said during the State of, State of the Orioles address on Saturday to season ticket holders, which, you know, my my dad and I are, we went, sat there. He, he basically said this team's going younger. And he was asked the question of, you know, would the Orioles be be interested in, in signing, re-signing Adam Jones? And he was, you know, he, he walked around the question, but the answer was basically, uh, we're not going to be looking that route. Yeah, the answer you know. was basically we're looking to get younger. Yeah. Without saying no, we're not going to resign Adam Jones. We're looking to get younger. So you take that for what it's worth. Here's the thing that that kind of blows my mind about the Adam Jones situation is Adam Jones came into 2018 with the attitude that he wanted to win a ring. He was running his mouth. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to spring training and you listen to some of the interviews that he did, he he wants he wanted to win a ring. Winning a ring was the most important thing to him. Fast forward through this hellacious year, we go a couple weeks ago, and he's in the interview process, and he's talking about you know his future with Baltimore, and he 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 himself said the perfect scenario would be kind of the Aroldis Chapman situation where you trade him away to a contender, he goes and wins a ring, and he comes back and he signs a deal with the Orioles and retires an Oriole, like that would be the perfect scenario. Yeah. So what happens? Dan Duquette fields offers for Adam Jones. He gets a couple of offers, one of which that he liked with the Phillies. The Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies are about an hour and a half, two hours up the road. Hour and 49 minutes. I Googled it. <laughs> so he goes to Adam and says, look, you've got a chance with the Phillies to possibly win the division. Go in there and go after this ring that you so happen to you know to covet. And look, I'm a huge Adam Jones fan. Big Adam. I, I love Adam Jones. I love everything he's done for the city. I love everything he's done for this organization. But they present him with this, and his answer is no. He's not going to waive his 10-5 rights, that he'd rather stay here with the Orioles, finish out the season, have a proper goodbye to his fans. And I can I can appreciate all of that. I get all that. He doesn't want to uproot his family, doesn't want to move. What is it? What's most important to you? Is 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 the most important thing for you – to win this ring or is the most important thing for you to just stay here in Baltimore and kind of deal with what is a terrible year? I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's a big head scratcher. Look, I got, I got news for you. He, he's not getting signed next year. And I think, you know, the more I think about it, the more I wonder if maybe that was the question that he asked Dan and said, you know, do are you going to offer me, you know, or are we going to potentially be talking in the off season. Right. And Dan's response was probably, yeah, that's not the route that we're looking to go. We're looking to get younger. Exactly. And I'm sure Adam didn't like that. Yeah, no, and I agree, but wouldn't that push you more to want to get out of here? Yeah. Now? No, and that's where my head is scratching because yeah. I and it itches because I'm just like my brain hurts trying to think like dude, what is your reasoning? Yeah. What is your you could you're going to be on a bad team. This hurts you not only now for getting a ring. I hate to tell people, but this hurts Adam Jones's future as as a baseball player. Because the guy was offered a chance to go to a championship team and he said, 
nah, I'm fine with where I'm at. What's he going to do when the Orioles don't offer him it? And somebody else comes to him, like a Philly, Houston, whoever, and says, we need a center fielder, or better yet, maybe it's we need a right fielder. What's he going to do? Is he going to retire? You're going to be done with baseball now? Uh, I don't know, man. This whole Adam Jones situation, like I said. He's still got a lot left in the tank. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's just it's such a head scratcher, especially when it's so close. I just I want to see and some the sort of on the wall. I want to see some sort of peaceful resolution with this whole thing because I don't want to see everything that Adam Jones has built up here in Baltimore with the fans, with the ownership, with the organization to go sour, kind of like an Eddie Murray situation where things went sour late on his career with Baltimore. Like I, I don't want to see that situation. But at the end of the day. It falls on him. It falls on him, right? If if the Orioles presented him with this option to go to Philadelphia and present potentially win a ring, like he so Desires. badly desired to do just a couple months ago, beginning of the year, it's all he talked about. I don't know, man. It's it's bizarre to me. And nothing says that you can't go play for the Phillies and do do charity work in Baltimore. Nothing says it. Period. Yeah. Well, you look, just can't be representing the Orioles as you're doing it, but <laughs> right. Teams had a good run, man. It, from 2012 to 2016, you got to remember this team won the most yeah. games in the American League. It's had a, they've had a good run, you know. So all for the, all those people out there that want to throw Dan Duquette under the bus and give him a bad name. Look, I am not a Dan Duquette advocate. I'm not somebody who has got his back or anything like that. I've been just as hard on Dan Duquette over the years uh, as just about anybody else out there. But know this. His hands have been tied with what he can do and what kind of ability he has uh, to properly run this organization. He has been very limited in what he can do in the player development area, in the scouting area, in the international market. His hands have been tied with that. Things have started to change and things have started to shift where ownership, Peter's for lack of a better term, on his deathbed. His sons are now running the organization. His sons are now making the the calls. And Dan's finally getting some freedom, and the handcuffs are kind of coming off of Dan with his ability to do things he was once not able to do here in Baltimore. So yeah. I'm willing to give him another year or two on this leash to let him do what he's done successfully elsewhere, Montreal being one of them, and see what he can do. Now, like I said, we keep that leash tight. We keep it real tight to the arm. But there's you got to you got to remember, there's no big name GM candidates out there beating down the door of the Orioles for this job. No. It's but, not an attractive job. By no means is it an attractive job, but I'm going to kind of shoot your 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 thought process down here. I'm sorry. All right. Fair enough. How are the Expos doing today? <laughs> that had nothing. <laughs> that had nothing to do. With, if, look, if you talk to people, hold on. If you talk to people in Montreal, some people in Montreal say that 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 he was the source of that team leaving because they couldn't get fans in the building. I don't know. Was it ninety four? The year, the strike year, the strike where was, they were. Strike year was ninety four. Yep. They, I mean, they had Pedro Martinez. They had Dante Bichette. They had Vladimir Guerrero. Guerrero. I mean, their entire 
team was loaded. And did you hear all those names that I went down? Pedro Martinez, Dante Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero. What do they have in common? Hall of Fame. No. Think, what are the Orioles now going to be getting into? They're international, oh, international players. guys, yeah. Right. So he has once built an organization, a successful team. Forget forget the financials of that team. That, that team had bigger bigger issues. But was he overspending what the team was able to afford? Well, maybe, maybe. And, and you know, I'm not saying Dan is, is, is a perfect GM. By no means am That's I saying that. That's what I that. heard. Uh, well, <laughs> by no means am I saying that. I just think that unless somebody comes beating down the door that is a more attractive GM candidate, I'm okay with giving Dan. Whereas two months ago, if you'd asked me that question, I said, no, get him out of town now. Yeah, I mean, I'm still torn on it. I think Dan, I think Dan is Dan's reaching his his point here. I don't know if this is a McPhail situation where it's like here we're gonna take the handcuffs off you a little bit more. Right. McPhail McPhail's way more qualified, uh, you know, of a GM than than I feel that Duquette ever was, and do a lot of what Duquette is quote unquote doing was a source of of McPhail. Um, so I, I don't know that he'll be back. I think that's a, a good, you know, a good indication that something's, you know, something's going to happen. Speaking of, you know, speaking of Hall of Famers. Well, we mentioned Vladimir Guerrero. You have Vladimir Vlad, Guerrero's one. Jim Tomei. Yeah. Uh, you know, both of those guys got inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame this past weekend, uh, along with Trevor Hoffman, Chipper Jones, uh, Jack Morris, and Alan Trammell. Uh, huge, a lot of huge guys there. You yeah, know, that's, a, and, that's an amazing Hall of Fame class. Yeah, and it's it's a classy class. You know, yeah. for for lack of a better term, it, it, these guys played with a lot of respect for the game, a lot of respect for the guys that they played with and against. Um, you know, we talked about it on the on the live. The Chipper Jones story yeah. about the first time he met Jim Tomei was pretty good. Uh, go look it up. I'm sure you could probably find it on YouTube now. Uh, basically saying that. He got him by the throat <laughs> during a brawl and told him to chill out, and he did. Yeah. And they were friends ever since. Um, you know, other other speaking of, of Hall of Famers for the Orioles, you know, I think we we can't be we can't mention what's going on without mentioning that they did bring back Eddie. Yeah. Um, you know, into the organization, a special advisor to Lou and John uh, Angelos. I think it's gonna be interesting to see what role he he brings. They also brought by Brooks, who openly said, you know, he's gonna, you know, he doesn't know his exact role, but he's gonna be involved in the community a lot because yeah. you know they want to get fans back to the ballpark and everything, which I think was a great move bringing a, a guy like Brooks back at 81 years old. Both he doesn't need to be making decisions. Bo- both Eddie and and Brooks, I think, are gonna kind of have their same type of roles within the organization. Eddie's actually done a lot of work in the inner cities with his own charitable foundation and whatnot. Just couldn't put any ties to the Orioles because of the fallout that they had and not being affiliated with the Orioles anymore, not working for the Orioles organization anymore. So now I think. The Orioles are just looking at it from a uh, a marketing standpoint. They can actually put their mark and their name associated with this guy and some of the things he's doing. I, I think Eddie also is a. I, I think Eddie's play will also be involved in spring training. You know, uh, maybe and, and and will be a a talent type person. Eddie's a raw, you know, pure player, mm-hmm. pure hitter. You know, a lot of raw talent on that end. Always was. Never know. Could see Eddie Murray in a. In a hitting coach position at some point. You know, I mean, at this point, at, at this point, I don't rule anything out. Scott Kubel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I- 
Yeah. We'll see. Uh, you know, I, I have to bring it up too. There was, there's a lot of guys, you know, um, that are on the ballot for next year, uh, including Riv- Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, uh, Todd Helton, Andy Pennant, Lance Berkman. Those are all the first year guys. Uh, Eddie Martinez, Edgar, Edgar Martinez um, hit 70.4% last year. Didn't quite, you know, make it. So this might be his best year for it. I think Holiday's a dunk. Rivera's a dunk. Pennant might be a dunk. Um, and Berkman, I, Berkman, I'm I'm iffy about. I think Berkman will walk away with about seventy percent. Uh, but the other big guy that is expected to go in, former Oriole Mike Mussina. Yeah. Does he go in as a Yankee or does he go in as a Bird? I hope does? he goes in as an Oriole. I hope that the the fans out there can really put aside the the separation. <laughs> Up, you know, up the the anxiety and everything that went along with Musina, you know, our prize starting pitcher going away and finishing his career out in in uh, New York. Guy was going after a ring. He went out there. I mean, granted, he didn't end up walking away with a ring, but went out there, gave it his fair shot, and uh, he he was a bulldog when he was here, and yeah. we haven't been able to replace him ever since he's left. I mean, that's been what. Feels 15 like years. years 15 <laughs> years ago 20 years ago now i mean something like that yeah if 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 i hope he goes in as an oriole and i hope the fan base can embrace him again i think it'd be good just as much as we're seeing um you know with like brooks and eddie coming back to the organization it'd be nice to see messina get back involved with the orioles and the organization at a younger age, let's not bring him back when he's eighty. Let's bring him back <laughs> now. So, yeah, yeah, I'd like to see him as an Oriole. I yeah. Hope. Well, Hall of Fame is is kind of a theme and trend. We're just going to keep going with it. Yeah. Uh, Ravens have a Hall of Famer. You might know him. You might. I mean, have you ever heard of Ray Lewis? I mean, I, I don't know. Have you? I think I might have heard the name once or twice. Yeah. I mean, he's South just throwing around, just throwing around a little bit. Um, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's 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 an okay guy. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see a speech. Is it going to be an exciting speech? My answer is duh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, look, Ray Lewis is Ray Lewis. His speeches are typically all over the place, and you know, to him, they might mean something. But <laughs> look, it's one time I, yeah. I had a cheese sandwich. <laughs> uh, I I love Ray Lewis to death, and he's the definitely on the Mount Rushmore of Baltimore sports for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I'm excited to see him get in and glad to see him make it in and first ballot hall of famer as he should. I'm hoping that Ed Reed's not far behind him as a first ballot hall of famer as well. Um, so excited for it. I, but I think more excitement for me is, is around the game, the hall of fame game, the yeah, hall of Thursday. fame game itself on Thursday, more so than the induction. Um, just because of everything, all the the matchups and everything going into it. Obviously, the big matchup and 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 the thing that everybody's excited about the most is seeing Lamar Jackson, RG three in the quarterback position, and seeing how different the offense might look with a mobile quarterback back there. I don't think we should get too far ahead of ourselves with this game. It's probably going to be a sloppy game. It's probably going to be a rather vanilla game as far as play calling and that kind of thing. We're going to see a lot of a lot of basic stuff, a lot of mistakes. Uh, we're going to see a lot of guys playing football that 
we've never even heard their names before and players that will not be on this squad uh, in, in a few weeks. weeks. <laughs> so don't get too excited for it, but I am, I do. There's certain things, certain things that I want to see. Um, for me, I think the running back position is important. Uh, we saw, you know, Kenneth Dixon's gone down the past four or five practices straight with an injury. Um, so it leaves us kind of thin at the running back position. You got to remember Terrence West left this team to go to new Orleans. We got Kenneth Dixon back, but now if he's going to be out for any length of period of time, that really only leaves us Alex Collins and Buck Allen. Um, and both of those guys are going to be utilized on a regular basis. So we've got to have that third or fourth back back there. Um, and right now the only guy that, that we, I could see potentially making this roster if, and if that's a big, if Kenneth Dixon, you know, doesn't stay healthy would be the guy out of Florida, Mark Thompson, a run, uh, undrafted guy. Yeah, You got to do something, but I mean, you also have to, people haven't been impressed by Collins. I mean, it's still preseason. Yeah. Um, he definitely changed the tempo last year, you know, to, to Ryan's point from the live, he turned it up to 11. Uh, you know, or we want to see him turn it up to 11. You know, he was, you know, might've been running on nine or 10 last year. Um, I think he can definitely hit a different gear. He's got, he's got the shiftiness to be able to handle it. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this game. What happens over the next few weeks? What route do they go? You know, you mentioned Lamar and RG three, what role do they play? Um, you know, I'm the depth chart came out on Thursday, the 26th, and it had RG three at, you know, at second, you know, you mentioned earlier that you didn't think it was a big deal. It wasn't, you know, it's not going to be, you think by the end, you know, by the end of the, the, the preseason that you're going to see Lamar, you know, bump up to number two. Right. Um, but I, I think it's actually smarter to have RG three at number two because it protects, you know, uh, your potential quarterback of the future. Mm -hmm. You know, Joe still has, I think two more years, but the Ravens can opt out after this year. Um, so he's the guy that you are most sure about to be on your roster next year because RG three was only one year, one mil. Right. So he's the guy, Lamar's the most, the one that you are most sure about. And you have to know, okay, if Joe doesn't perform in the first, you know, three, four weeks, okay, maybe throw RG three out there with a little bit of, of Lamar sprinkled in so that Lamar can gain some experience, gain some traction, and be ready to take over this team next year if that's the route that they want to go. If it's not and Joe has a good year, then, yeah, he does become a second, uh, that second string. I think it's what we've been saying all along. You and I have both been saying they're going to carry three quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, no if ands. Yeah, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. I will be, I will be shocked beyond belief if they don't carry three quarterbacks. The one thing that... I've heard a lot of people out there kind of talking about, you know, there's there's two ends of it. You got the people that are super excited to see Lamar play and want to see him play all four quarters in this game because they just think they, they can't get enough of Lamar. Then you got other people on the other end of the spectrum that are a little gun shy with Lamar. You know, that's it's their it's not precious. It's <laughs> their you know, they, they they want to protect this guy and not expose him to injury. Here's my take on that. So we have an extended preseason for the Ravens this year. We, we have five games most preseasons. We only have four, four right? Yeah. If you drafted Lamar Jackson to be your quarterback of the future, whether that's this year, next year, whenever it may be, he is your quarterback of the future. 
You cannot be afraid of injury day one, day 10, day 100. Yeah. You got to get him out there. You got to get him exposure. You got you got to get him some exposure and he's got to learn the offense. There's a lot that you can learn in practice. And there's a lot of things that you can see in practice. But at the end of the day, practice means nothing. It's what you do in game time situations, right? Yeah. So for me, I want to see Lamar play game one, let him play a quarter or two. You're going to see some things that he's going to need to work on. He's going to need to improve on. You've got that early in camp. So you start working on those things for the next couple of weeks. That way come preseason game four, game five, you put him in for another quarter or two in those games and you can see the progression of what he's 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 Has, is he starting to put it together? Is he putting it together? Is he trending in the right direction? Because at that point, if he's trending in the right direction, he's a fast learner, he's picked up on things, then boom, that moves him into that number two slot. Yeah. If not, then you know you need to cash in on that RG three insurance policy and have him for sure make this roster as a number two quarterback. Yeah. No, I I, I see exactly where you're coming from with it. I just I think it's the exposure that scares me a little bit. Uh, you know, we had, we had talked about it originally, you know, about the pa- when they talked about potential packages and everything. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a high risk, but do you put a potential package in that puts all three of your quarterbacks on, on the field at the same time? It, it's high risk, It's but it's also got a high potential reward. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you could wind up doing a lot with it. There was a video that, that they showed the other day of Lamar throwing a pass to, to Flacco. Yeah. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how they approach it, especially since you you have a lot a lot of newer weapons, you know, especially on the wide receiver front, um, that are going to be able to help these guys with the offensive line, giving a little bit more protection to Joe or whoever's back there at quarterback. Um, so I'm interested to really see where those guys. The one guy I'm not interested to see in this damn game, Rashad freaking Perryman. You yeah. gave this guy his ro- his roster bonus money already. And nobody wants to see him. I don't know one person that's going, I'm excited to see what Brashad Perryman does. <laughs> they might as well just piss that $600,000 away. I, I I could have used that money and could have put it to much better use than, than this guy would uh, if they just wanted to give away $600,000 because that's what they yeah, did at the end of the I day. I did the math on it. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure because I don't I don't do you know the full seating capacity of I'm assuming like seventy thousand right yeah it's about so, that. somewhere around in there right mm-hmm. at six hundred fifty thousand dollars seventy thousand seats they could have saved everybody about ten bucks a pop on on one game <laughs> just one game just save yeah. it. here here you go instead of giving this money to you to to a waste. We're gonna give it back to the fans. We're gonna give you guys all this dollars means absolutely nothing to them. Oh right? no, I mean, it's, no, it's such it's pocket change, but. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't understand why they're holding on to this guy. They're doing everything in the world under the sun that they can. They're trying to it, expose him to special teams now. Is this game make or break there. for him? Like it, it, it's got to be. I mean, it, make or break for me was last year. You know, he <laughs> he came in, looked good in training camp, and everybody said, "All right, we'll give him one more shot." And what happened? Just in Brashad Perryman, you know, form, he gets hurt. He comes back from injury, and it still sucks. he's got stones for hands. He can't. He can't hang on to anything. Um, I think stones could catch more. Yeah, probably uh, at this point. I, you know, I don't care what this guy does in this game. He can go out there and catch ten passes for 150 yards, and we might go, "Wow, 
at the end of the day, he's still Brashad Perryman. He's going to go out there in the regular season. He's going to get game. hurt, and then he's going to come back and not know how to catch the ball again. He doesn't do well in game-time situation. No. I understand this guy is a first-round draft pick, but sometimes you just got to suck up your pride and say, we screwed that one up. Yeah. And that's I mean, ultimately the Ravens did. That was a first-round bust. Yeah, it happens. It happens. But you have, like you said, you you've got to own that. You got to. You've got to own that. You can't. You can't keep dumping. It's not just money. It's time. You are dumping time, and you're taking time away from another guy. And one guy that's really stepped up that you you and I both you know are really excited to see Tim White. Yeah. Who who you mentioned? You said they're they've already put him as the as the punt and kick returner. Yeah, they, he's earned the right for this game to be the the first team punt returner and kick returner. Um, but beyond that, I mean, this guy's caught everything thrown his way. Um, he's done everything that they've asked him to do. He's multifaceted, like you said. He can play on as a wide receiver or in the in the yeah. return game. Um, that's my problem with this roster. We talked about this last week. They've got four guarantees at the wide receiver position that we know are going to be on this team come day one. Four. There's a probability that they're going to carry six, maybe seven wide receivers. Well, they've got two that they drafted this year in Jordan Lasley and um, uh, Jaleel Scott. And we haven't seen enough out of them yet to be able to really make a decision one way or the other. Jordan Lasley is kind of up and down. You hear great things from big plays that he makes. And then when I went to practice, he dropped every kick that was his way, he dropped two or three passes during drills and stuff like that. So, you know, Jordan Lasley is still a wild card for me. Uh, Jaleel Scott shows a lot of promise. Big, tall guy, lanky guy. Caught everything thrown his way when I was there. Needs some work on his route running. and needs some work on getting away from corners and using his body and that kind of stuff. He's a bigger guy. Should right. be able to do that better. Uh, but that's going to come with time. So you got two wide receivers there that you drafted this year. That puts you at six. That's before Tim White. Right. And then there's Brashad Perryman. Had... Ataboyo not gotten hurt. Bashad Perryman wouldn't even shouldn't even should be yeah shouldn't even be on an NFL football field. He should be waxing cars or doing something else totally different. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I, I really really hope this is the last time we see Bashad Perryman in a in a Ravens uniform. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, you know, one one place that you can always you know trade him. Let's trade him to the brigade. I'll take yeah. I'll take Tompkins all day long. Oh yeah, I'll take Tompkins all day long. Uh, you, you think the Ravens Perryman. would give him a look? I think they would. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see. They could have they could have Brashad Perriman. Uh, speaking of the brigade, they the, the reason I brought them up, they lost to the Valor. Yes, the team that ended the regular season in last place yeah. with two wins beat the brigade in the arena football championship. Yeah, I'm going to be really, really happy when this league expands from the four teams that it is now to the eight teams that it is next year, hopefully, uh, if all that stuff gets finalized. Because there's just no reason a team that was 0-7 at one point and then finished the regular season at 2-9 and should make a playoffs. Yeah. But when you're in a league that's only consisting of four teams and everybody's got to make it, and they signed a pretty darn good quarterback – right at the right time with the last couple of weeks of the regular season, put together a pretty good run there. And, hey, kudos to them. Hats off to them for the Valor to winning yeah, the, uh, the Arena Football League Championship. 
Uh, Brigade just came out and were sloppy. Um, too many turnovers. Hippert, I mean, he threw for five touchdowns, but he also threw two huge interceptions, uh, a couple of fumbles. I, I think really the the biggest bright spot for the brigade uh, was Tompkins. I mean, he, he was huge in the return game. Um, he had one return for a touchdown, another, another one that he just missed uh, that he ended up fumbling right before the end zone, and they recovered it for a touchdown, so it worked out. But, right. um, yeah, that would be a guy that I would rather see in a Ravens uniform tenfold yeah. <laughs> over Bashad Perryman for sure. But, yeah, so that put a wrap to the brigade season. And uh, they lost that game sixty nine to fifty five. Talk about defense; yeah, it was non existent. Yeah, there's no defense in that game at all. But in some bigger news, uh, in the uh, DMV area, would be around the Caps. Yeah, man, big news. Uh, Caps have done a pretty darn good job this off season of keeping the pieces to the puzzle in place, uh, with you know bringing back a lot of their own, and it didn't stop with the most recent signing of Tom Wilson to a six year, $31 million deal works out to a little over $5 million per year. I'm happy to see Wilson back with the caps. You. Oh yeah. You got to have the enforcer back. You had to bring him back. Absolutely. I mean, he, we talked about it. He's, he's like one side of the bash brothers. Yeah. He's, he's just that, that type of mentality. You got to keep him. Um, you know, I think it was a great signing, you know, the, the team has really kind of, I don't want to say stayed the same, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it hasn't for lack of a better comparison, but it's, it is a team that is, it's the mighty ducks. You know, it really is. They, they win it and then they come back with the same guys. Yeah. And you're like, how'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, in an off season that I thought there'd be a lot of turnover. I mean, really, the only piece that we lost this this off season would be our our backup goaltender Grubauer. I mean, there was a deal with the uh, with the Avalanche, Colorado, sending Grubauer and Orpic uh, to Denver, but uh, Denver ended up cutting Orpic, and Orpic resigned with the Caps on a much smaller. One year, one yeah, the caps, million dollar caps deal. Caps are like, okay, you guys don't want them? Come on, Orpic, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we'll take it back at a, at a veteran minimum type deal, and uh, they got that deal done. Um, I know you and I talked a little earlier on the live feed. You, one of your concerns now being that backup goaltender slot. Uh, there's some free agents out there uh, that might make a little bit of sense for the Caps to go after, but I really don't think the Caps make that trade with Grubauer, even though – he requested, you know, he wanted to be out of there just because he wanted to start somewhere. I get that. But, look, it's a business first and foremost, and the Caps aren't going to put their organization at risk or yeah. in jeopardy if unless they had somebody in the wings waiting. And I cannot think of the guy's name. It's been bothering me all night. But they have a guy down in Hershey, a younger guy, that uh, they're pretty high on. And what a better mentor and somebody to learn from than Holpe. Uh, I think they'll bring him up uh, versus looking at the free agent wire, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, there. I, I brought up a Hollick uh, from the Islanders and uh, Merzik from the Flyers. You know, Hollick's 33, um, Merzik's 26. I think it does depend, and, you know, that kind of goes, you know, with the guy that you're talking from Hershey is, is I'm sure, young. The question is, do you go young? Do you go old? Do you have an experienced guy on the bench that's going to be able to step in when it is – you know, when Hopi needs a break, when Hopi gets hurt or something like that, 
or do you have a young guy who's maybe not as experienced but as youthful has a little bit more flexibility is able to jump in and be a little more spry and and spur the moment and not have to you know go through a little bit more preparations than an older guy might might have to well just kind of looking at the spending spree that they went on this offseason and bringing back a lot of their pieces. I think from a salary cap standpoint, I don't know the numbers, but I know they got to be pretty they gotta close. They got to be pretty close. They yeah. got to be pretty close. I don't think they're going to be spending a whole lot of money on the backup goaltender spot. So I see them sticking young and bringing a guy up and developing him. Just yeah. In my opinion. I mean, I think that's the only thing you can do. So, yes, sir. All right, Scott. We uh, we had this rundown with Ryan earlier today on the Facebook five live feed, but uh, now it is your turn for the two minute warning. And your two minutes it starts now. All right, LeBron. That's right. The new Laker. He opened a school called the Promise the I Promise School in his hometown of Akron, Ohio, for at-risk youth. And they're supplying these kids with everything from backpacks to, you know, all the pencils and stuff, as well as a bike yeah, and a food pantry. Good dude. Good yeah. cause. It's I, a I lot. Like it. It's a like lot it. going on here. Uh, Eagles are upset over the new helmet rule presentation, uh, and they were not happy with the, the referees here. The referees apparently confused them even more on the new rule because when they asked questions, the referees didn't have answers. Yeah. Uh, Neymar came out and admitted that sometimes I do exaggerate in his Brazilian accent yeah. uh, in reference to his flopping during the World Cup matches. I know you said you hate That's soccer exactly players. exactly why I do not like <laughs> soccer players. James Shields, yeah, he might be a renaissance man. Uh, he changed his delivery in his arm angle and now has 13 quality starts in 2018. Sam Darnold is unhappy about his training camp holdout. His agent has been a part of that along with the Jets. Uh, the agent has been negotiating over wording on voidable guarantees in the contract, and he's ticked off about not I practicing. think they did come to some sort of agreement later on today. Did they? Yeah. All right. Uh, Bradley Lawler, former uh, WWE wrestler and son of a Hall of Famer, Jerry the King Lawler. Basically, long story short, he committed a DUI. He got behind He got behind in jail, uh, committed suicide uh, by hanging himself, uh, and was taken to the hospital where he was actually pronounced dead. Media is blowing up Baker Mayfield with RV piece at training camp uh, where resident veteran Drew Stanton, he had to, told him he had to get an RV as a place of respite for the QBs. Wide receiver Stephon Diggs signs a five-year, $81 million extension with $40 million guaranteed. Johnny Manziel start, is to start the CFL Montreal Alouettes on Friday, finally after six games as a backup. So close. So Almost close. got it in there. <laughs> uh, after six games as a backup with, uh, I think it's the Tiger Cats, uh, he was traded on the 22nd. and I'm sorry, he was it was five games. He was traded on the 22nd and is now going to finally be starting. Yeah. In the CFO. Yeah. He's still going to be a flop, I think. But. Yeah. Once a flop, always a flop, <laughs> especially with that guy. Yeah. So. <sighs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in this week. Look, sorry again for the uh, technical difficulties that we had earlier, uh, but we're dedicated. We came back. We gave it a second go. Went much smoother, much easier. 
Be sure to check us out on the web at birdlandbs.com. Follow us on all of our social networks, not just YouTube, but follow us on Twitter at BirdlandBS, Facebook, Instagram. Look us up, BirdlandBS. You can find the audio podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, the TuneIn app, and Stitcher. Uh, so be sure to look us up and subscribe to your favorite podcast. For Birdland BS, I'm Fred. And I'm Scott. We'll see you guys. See ya! <laughs>